Today we look all around us and can become discouraged. Today Pastor Bernie shares on the end times and what that will look like for America. This can be encouraging or frightening. We hope you are given hope when you join us in the message entitled, Rapture Ready or Capture Ready. Well, praise God. Take your Bibles out with me, please. Turn to the book of Second Thessalonians. We're going to be in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 today. Are you ready to have a good time in God in His Word this morning? I believe we're just going to enjoy the Word this morning. God has got an encouraging Word for us. And um, it's always a privilege to be able to handle His Word and to share it. And I always pray, God, please help me to do and say what you want done and said. And uh, put my flesh to the side. Lord, I want your word to come forth. And that's what I strive for. I hope it comes out that way. Only he knows that for sure, I guess. If you found your place, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word, or by letters, as if from us, as the day of Christ had come. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Verse 7 says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Verse 11, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they shall be, believe a lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now there's several things pointed out in that passage of scripture. Number one is that the Lord's coming again. Number two, he's going to gather the saints to himself. But he says before that happens, lawlessness is going to be at work. He said, in fact, lawlessness is already at work. But there is something that is restraining that lawlessness. And the Bible refers to it as a he. And if you'll notice, that's a capital H. It should be. He, quote, unquote. And it says, and he will be taken out of the way. Then lawlessness will be released. He says, but first... There's going to be a great falling away. And the man of sin, the son of perdition, will be revealed. Now when I look at that list of things that is going to happen before the return of Messiah, before the return of Jesus Christ, it generates a couple of questions. Number one, who 
is the He that is restraining lawlessness. The second thing is, has the falling away happened yet? Or are we seeing the falling away that was predicted over 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica? The third thing that it generates, the question, is has the man of sin been revealed? Or is he about to be revealed? The son of perdition who will work according to the works of Satan. It's kind of scary when you look at these things. Depending on where you're standing. It's funny how things look different depending on where you're standing. And when a lot of people read these things, if they're standing outside of Jesus Christ, this is a very scary thing to look at. But if you're in Christ Jesus, and you've got your oil lamp filled with oil, you got your lamp trimmed and it's burning. This is an exciting thing. And so when I look at this, I look at this with great excitement. I don't look at this with fear because this is an exciting thing. Because it's going to depend whether or not you're ready for the rapture or not. Because you're either going to be ready for the rapture or you're going to be ready for the capture. Because this man of sin is going to capture you. So... This morning, I wanted to take a look at this. How many of you would like to know what's getting ready to happen in America? Huh? How this thing is going to unfold? Well, let's look at it. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. The more I learn, the more I see this thing unfold, the more the pieces come together, God, the more exciting that it becomes. And God, I, 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 I hear the words that you said to your disciples. God, Jesus, you said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would not have told you this. But it is true. And I'm going there, and I'm going to come again, and I'm going to take you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Lord, you told us not to let our hearts be troubled. God, you said that when we see these things begin to come to pass, to lift up our head and look for our redemption is drawing near to us. So God, as we look at this this morning, God, I look at it with great excitement. Lord, seeing what you're doing in the land, Lord, seeing these pieces come together. God, in the, in the Bible, you said that the saints of God that died, Lord, they died looking for this hope. And Lord, we're seeing it unfold before our very eyes. And God, we should be looking at this, not with drudgery and dread, God, but with excitement, Lord, and with joy in our heart, rejoicing that we are going to see your face, and not too far from now. We believe that, Lord. And God, whether that's true or whether it's many, many, many years from now, Lord, may we work right now as if you're coming tomorrow. And Lord, help us to understand that it is important that the church of Jesus Christ rises up, Lord, and that we are counted today, God, that our lamps are filled, Lord, our, our, our wicks are trimmed, God, our light is shining, God, that people can see that there is a light and a remnant in the land. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, praise God. Somebody asked me, how did your week go? And I said, it went terrific. And that probably wasn't the response that you was expecting because how many of you got up uh, after Tuesday morning, you got up Wednesday and you were scratching your head thinking, what on earth just happened? Because you would think that there would be enough people 
I don't know how you vote, and if I offend you, I don't mean to, I'm sorry, but you would think there, there would be enough people to have enough common sense to know we can't stand four more years of this. But that's not what happened. And I have to be honest with you, me personally, it came as no surprise to me whatsoever. In fact, a very good friend of mine who is very, very much into end-time prophecy told me months ago, he said, the president will be reelected. You can count on it. I said, are you sure? He said, I am absolutely certain without any doubt. According to scripture, he has to get back in office. I was like, well, that's not something I really wanted to hear. And I was hoping that he was wrong. But it is obvious, and I I don't mean anything personal against Mr. Obama, but the facts are the facts, and our country, and that it's being ran by ungodly men. And the reason I say that is because this administration opposes the Word of God more than any in our history. You know, it's been leading up to this. I mean, the Word of God was taken out of the school. Prayer was taken out of the school. The Ten Commandments taken out of the courthouse. But this man will not even honor the Word of God, while at the same time he refers to the Quran as the Holy Quran. You know, but he has no use whatsoever for the Word of God, although he says he does. He does not actually do that. He is the most pro-abortion president that's ever sat in the White House. Now, folks, these things are going to generate some judgment from God. It has to. When you reject God and you reject His Word, you bring on the judgment of God. The reason the children of Israel were dispersed and scattered abroad is because they rejected God. God looked at Cain and says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? He said, am I my brother's keeper? He said, his blood cries from the ground to me. Folks, there are over 50 million murdered babies crying to God today. If God does not judge this nation because of the innocent blood that has been shed, he's got to apologize to the curse that he put on Cain. Because he judged Cain because he shed his brother's innocent blood, and the blood of his brother cried from the ground to him. What can you imagine God is hearing today from the blood spilled in the American soil of 50 million murdered children? Back in the 80s, God said, there is a scream that no one hears to me. I preached a message on it. The cry that no one hears. God is hearing that cry, and He has to bring judgment on this nation. It's coming. It has to come. They've rejected His Word. They've shed innocent blood. It is the most pro-homosexual administration that has ever set on Capitol Hill right now. They just passed in three more states. It's legal for same-sex marriage. My prayer is, God... You were willing to spare Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of ten righteous men. I know you cannot spare this country. I know you can't. But God, will you have mercy on America for the righteous sake? I pray that. God, will you have mercy on America for the righteous sake? And He will. Let me just say that to encourage you. He will. Because if you read in Peter, you read in the book of Jude, you read about Sodom and Gomorrah, how that he sent the angels in and he brought out Lot. 
And it says, for an example, that God knows how to save the righteous. And so he will. If he was willing to save Zodom and Gomorrah and have mercy on it for ten righteous sake, I believe he will have mercy on America for our sake. But a day is going to come that we will not be here, and he will have no more mercy on America. We see it all through the book of Revelation. The judgment. Was talking about the seal that was broken. Hunter was talking about it during our worship. The seal that was broken and the bowls of wrath, the pestilence, the diseases and things that's going to be poured out across the whole globe because of God's wrath and His judgment. So these things has to come to pass. One of the greatest things that concerns me is the disregard and the disrespect that this administration has for Israel. Because when you turn your back on Israel, friend... You turn your back on God, and he says, I will bless them that bless her, and I will curse them. It's not just the blessing will be lifted. I will curse them that curse her. And we, all you have to do is look at history. Every nation that has risen up against uh, Israel has always come under the judgment of God. There's, there's a good book that I'm reading. It was written by a former PLO terrorist. I mentioned it. I think I've already mentioned it in here. He, he actually planted bombs to kill Jews. He hated Jews. He hated Christians because that's what he was taught to do. Today, he's a Christian pastor, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian pastor. Hallelujah. And he wrote a book. He said, when I began to read the Bible, it became obvious to me what it was talking about, who it was talking about. He said, I couldn't understand why the God of the Jews always came to their rescue. And every time I would say, where are you, Allah? Why don't you help us? Why is the God of the Jews always there to rescue them? But the Allah, the God of the, of the Muslims, is never there. Where are you? And he said when he began to read about the Antichrist, he knew exactly who it was talking about. And I'm, wouldn't you like to know who that is? I'm going to get into that in a minute. Just to throw that out there to make you hungry. I see the pieces of us all falling together for the fulfillment of the passage of Scripture we just read. There's evil already at work in the land. But it's being restrained. In other words, it would like to be unleashed right now. Satan would like to kill every human being on planet Earth. You know, some people think that he's for them. He's not for you. He hates all humanity. When he sees you, he sees the image of God. Because you're made in his likeness. He sees the one that cast him out of heaven when he sees you. And he hates you, all humanity. And he would love to just unleash it all and just annihilate all human beings right now. He would love to have the power to overthrow the throne of God. And he will try again. And he will fail. (laughs) But we see, I want you to look at this. I want you to consider this. We see that history always repeats itself. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it talks about the things that you've seen happen in the past, you will see happen again. And he says, show me one thing that you can point to that and say, this is new. He says, for there is nothing new under the sun. If it's happened before, it will happen again. And so we see history repeating itself. The economy, we're all up in arms about the economy. The economy rises and falls, it always has. It always comes back again. It will, come up, it will come back again in America, I predict. It, it's just that the people that's going to prosper from it will not be the people that we would prefer to prosper from it. All right? But it will come back again. 
uh, Brother Randy was talking about in the board meeting, he was talking about the physical cliff that you keep hearing on the news that we're approaching. The bush tax cuts and some things to deal with real estate and other things that we're getting ready to step off of this cliff. And they're trying to do something about that. But he, he may have mentioned that the first thing that happens when the economy begins to turn down is real estate loses its value. But it's the first thing that comes back. And we're starting to see real estate gain traction. So we, we're seeing the economy begin to rotate again. Because his, it, it always it will hit peaks because you get so out of where a house that's worth $160,000 is selling for $300,000. You, you can't keep going up that hill. Sooner or later, you get to the top of that hill, and you've got to come back down to reality again. And then things kind of level out, and they sift out, and then you start back up that hill again, and you'll hit the top, and then it comes back down again. You know, it's a depression, and then a recession, and then another recession, and then a whatever. Hopefully, this doesn't turn into another recession. Whether, say, we're coming out of one, we could potentially go back into it. You know, it could turn into a depression. I don't understand all that stuff. Talk to Randy McCabe. He can explain it to you, all right? <laughs> I don't understand all this stuff. All I can tell you is I see it in cycles, and I do understand that these things happen in cycles. History repeats itself. The, the, the uh, environment. Oh, Lord, the, we're going to the global warming. We're going to melt down. Look at the ice caps. They're melting. Oh, it's like the Wicked Witch on uh, We're melting, folks. Some of this stuff, if it wasn't so stupid, it would be comical. There's a, there's a thing in the... I'm going to be here a while. Are you all in a hurry? There's a thing in the ocean. It's like a conveyor belt. I don't know if it's the Gulf Stream or what it is, but I, I saw a thing on this, and it was a, it's a conveyor belt, and it's warm water. And it actually melts the polar ice caps because it's warm. But what happens is as the ice caps melt and run into the sea, they cool this down. And it slows and slows and slows until it finally stops. And when it does, the earth goes into an ice age. That's what happened. Before, when Iceland and people died, and I think it was in Iceland, and, and they found where they had froze to death, and it just all froze over because this thing reversed, and then everything began to freeze. And then this thing begins to warm up, and it circulates again, and then it starts to melt. And it's a cycle. There's nothing you can point to and say, see, this is new. He said, for there is nothing new under the sun. You've seen it happen before, you will see it happen again. Revival. All right, look at, look at the birth of our nation. It was born out of a revival from a handful of people that said, we want Jesus. And they came here and they birthed a nation. It was founded and built on the principles of Christianity and God's Word. Now, I'm not saying they did everything right. They didn't. They didn't honor treaties and those things. I know that. But out of it all, revival came it would it would you'd have a pinnacle of revival and then people would backslide and then another revival would break out back lord i wish i had time i better not go too deep into that i get on that i'll be preaching for a half hour just on that by itself but just whitfield and finney and and uh uh jonathan edwards and those guys and the great awakening and then we had the in the 1900s, we had a revival, and the birth of the Assemblies of God came out of that in 1914. Then you had, in the 1920s, you know, years later, you had another great revival throughout the Midwest. And then you had a, the, the Second Great Awakening, the Cane Ridge Revival up in, in Kentucky. And, and then after that, in the 1970s, 60s, and 70s, you had the Charismatic Renewal, another revival. 
And then it wasn't long. You had Toronto and you had one in Ontario and in, in, uh, Argentina and then down in Brownsville. And revivals, they, they, it's kind of like this. I, I was thinking about this the other day. A revival is like a fire. All right? And embers off of that fire, they, they, they go to Brownsville and they get the revival fire and then they come back to Virginia. All right? And they bring an ember of that fire and it goes over here and it settles in these leaves and it sits there and smolters until one day the wind of the Spirit goes and poof, another fire breaks out. And then that fire and embers go over here and over there and over there and they sit there and they, and they simmer until the wind of the Spirit goes and poof, another fire. That's the way revival is. It breaks out everywhere. Brother, I'm ready for it to break out right here. Amen. Blow, wind, blow. Let it begin right here. Well, it will. Revival, you, you're going to see it here and there, and it's going to come up and flare up, and then it dies down, and it flares up somewhere else. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a revival that just burned and burned and burned and burned? History's, that's never happened in history. And history always repeats itself. History in general, it always repeats itself. This, this morning I want to fo- focus on, and I preached a sermon on this actually in 2008, the... Uh, the rise and fall of an empire. Because empires follow a cycle. Because history repeats itself. And many empires have fallen because of the same reason. You don't know what the reason is? Massive debt. Sound familiar? Massive debt. What is it? We owe a debt to the tune of what? 17 trillion? Is that about right? 16 trillion, 17 trillion dollars right now, and still climbing. You watch those numbers clicking off. It's like boggles my mind, you know. Right now, we're working for China. Whether you realize it or not, each and every person in here is an employee of China. They own us. I told you prosperity will come back to America. Well, they will. They're not going to invest in something that they can't make something off of it. They want to see you rebound and prosper because it makes them richer. If I'm going to lend you money, I want you to pay it back. The only way you can pay it back is to prosper, right? And so they want us to prosper. The only problem is a lot of times the stockholder calls the shots. And China is not a Christian nation. Are you hearing me? Are you kind of seeing this? Babylon, the great empire of Babylon, they lent money to Persia at the rate of 33 and one-third percent interest. They had to pay double every three years. Persia couldn't afford that. So what they did is since we couldn't pay Babylon back, they rose up and conquered Babylon. And they instantly became rich and bigger because they rose up and militarily overthrew Babylon. Then the Medo-Persians lent money to Greece. The debt for Greece became so large they could not pay it back. So Greece rose up and conquered the Medo-Persians. And then you had the Grecian Empire. They in turn lent money to Rome. Rome's debt became so high that they couldn't pay Greece back. So what did Rome do? They rose up and conquered Greece. And so we see this pattern up until the time of Rome. And what's interesting about Rome is America has patterned her government and her lifestyle according to the ancient Roman Empire. 
The parallels are unbelievably amazing. They're identical, in fact. And so what happened in Rome is they didn't overthrow. Uh, I mean, when, when Rome reached its zenith, no one overthrew it. It just began to fragment. And right now, I believe that we, instead of being the United States of America, we are becoming the fragmented states of America. Because so many different people are buying us out and owning us. But there were some parallels between America and Rome that caused the fall of Rome that I thought was interesting. And I wanted to point them out to you this morning. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. The number one thing. Or the first top of the list. I don't know if it's the number one thing or not. Homosexuality became so widely accepted that it took over the entire empire. Even in its administration. Many of the people in administration practice homosexual lifestyles. They also had what they call Pax Roma, meaning Roman peace. Rome became the world peacekeeper, and they fought three battles fronts at the same time. What that did is put a burden on the treasure, the national treasury, because they would fight the battle, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't really recover their funds. In other words, if you go into an oil-rich country and you set them free, wouldn't it be a good idea to get oil cheaper? I'm not even, like, smart, and I can figure that out. Does that make sense to anybody other than me? And so we're the peacekeeper, which is a good thing, but, I mean, we should get something for it. But we don't. Or if we do, we let people still drive up the prices so that the rich can get richer. That's one thing about the Democratic platform that I happen to agree with. They they do need to put some boundaries on how rich people can disabuse that, but I don't know how you do that either. Number three, this is amazing. People in Rome bought homes that they could not afford. That sound familiar? Bankruptcies were soaring through the roof. Rome took its most fatal blow when the people cried, tax the rich and redistribute the money. That's amazing to me that we should know these things. Number five, taxes were so high on the wealthy that 400 of Emperor Nero's senators couldn't even have children because they couldn't afford them. Working class people couldn't afford their taxes, so they quit their jobs and went on doles. That's where we get the term doling out money. In other words, today, with administration that's in office... You can quit your job and go on welfare and make about $5,000 less than the average. If you're working and making $45,000 a year, you can go on welfare and make forty grand, do nothing, sit at home. Well, that's what they did in Rome. Until they finally had to pass a law that if you've got a job, you can't quit. Somebody's got to pay the taxes. So if you got a job, I don't care how much you hate it, stay there and pay the taxes. But the taxes became so high that it was like, why am I working? I give it all to the government. Does that sound familiar to anybody? But Okay. The senators became so corrupt that they cared more about being reelected than they did for the people's welfare. Reelect me, I will give you stuff. Okay, I'll vote for you. So you'll give me something free. And who's going to pay for it all? The rich. 
until the rich run out of money. Right? Listen, folks, you can't go to a well and dip but so many times. And so, at some point, it's going to run dry. And then what's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. All those people that voted for you to give them free stuff, and you started giving them all that free stuff, and now you can't give them no free stuff because you don't have any free stuff left to give because the place you've been going to get it has run out. They're going to start marching in the streets and throwing molotov cocktails or whatever you call that thing at you. We're seeing it happen in Greece right now. Because you see, this is what happens. When 51% of the people in a nation become a part of the welfare system or they're receiving government assistance, you cease to be a democracy and you become a, a um, what's the word, socialist, right? Socialistic government. Your own social welfare. The government take the government takes government takes care of you. That's what happened in Rome. Now, the one of the major differences between America and Rome is that we were founded and formed on godly principles. But folks, America has left the principles that made us great. It says in Proverbs chapter fourteen, verse thirty-four, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. America's turned her back on God. And so we look at this and we say, well, what's going to happen? How will we ever repay our debt? We can't repay it. Folks, at the rate that the debt is climbing, there is no way. Right now, all right, get this. Every child that is born today, the minute they breathe air, they owe $51,000 to the government. Now, if you come from a working class where you're going to work and try to pay your 51000 there's another one over here that's not going to work a lick. Because they're on the welfare system and they're going to teach their kids how to be on the welfare system and on and on and on and on it goes. Now i got to pay my 51000 and theirs and that one and that one and that one and that one. There is no way you can repay this debt. It's impossible. So what's going to happen? If you owed money to a lender and you couldn't repay the debt, what does he do? He lets you, like, keep it all? No. He comes and evicts you and takes it all. He takes all the assets and all the chattel and everything that you own. And my prediction is that's what we're going to see happen. Foreign investors are going to own this country. They already own it, really. They just haven't got the title signed because we're still, I guess, apparently paying the debt. But at the rate that it's climbing, there's no way that we can pay it. And we wonder, well, where's American prophecy? I don't think we see it because it's going to be so insignificant it's not going to matter. It's not going to be the United States of America. It's going to be the fragmented states of America. Because they're going to be owned by this, this entity and that entity and this lender and that lender. The only way you can repay them is with the assets that we have. I'll just have to sign it over to you. Oh, we don't have any money. We've ran out. We gave it all away. Does that make sense to anybody other than me? Right now, Las Vegas is owned, half of Las Vegas is owned by the Chinese mafia. 
The other half is owned by Arab oil money, Filipino businessmen, and Mexican businessmen. America doesn't own any of Las Vegas. It's all owned by outside companies, outside financial interests. Now understand that the, the, this is a cycle. Every empire goes through this. It rises to its zenith, and then it falls. We're seeing that happen in America. We have reached our zenith, and we're beginning to fall. This was predicted, and it was spelled out by a man by Alexander, name, name of Alexander Tyler in 1750. Folks, this is 262 years ago. He was a Scottish professor. And listen to what he wrote. The cycle that civilizations experience. He gave three noted comments that seem almost prophetic. Number one, a democracy is always temporary in nature. It simply cannot exist as a permanent form of government. A democracy will exist up until the time that the voters discover that they can vote themselves generous gifts from the public treasury. 262 years ago he wrote this. Number two, from that moment on, the majority will always vote for the candidate who promises the most benefits from the public treasury. And number three, the results will be that democracy will finally collapse due to loose physical responsibility, which is always followed, always followed by a dictatorship. Now, I said, depending on where you're standing, this could be very scary. The freedom that we've enjoyed is collapsing to a point that we may see a dictatorship. The Bible says that these things have to happen. Folks, there's going to be a man that rises who will dictate the world, including America. And the scene is being set. Do you see this? The scene is being set for this person to come to, to the surface right now. We're seeing it unfold. What will happen is eventually the takers will outnumber the providers. And that's what we're seeing happen in Greece. Well, that's what we saw happen Tuesday. You want to know what happened Tuesday? That's what happened Tuesday. The takers outnumbered the providers. They're going to vote for the candidate that can promise them the most generous gifts from the public treasury. The problem is, you keep dipping in that well, it runs dry. It's always happened. It's going to happen again. It seems like that we would learn from history, doesn't it? <laughs> but we don't. Men are driven by their pride, their lust, and their greed. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And folks, we're, just, we're seeing what the Bible has told us for thousands of years come to pass. So where are we headed? We've rejected the Bible in school. Fifty million murdered babies are crying out for justice. Sodom and Gomorrah is vexing our nation. And eventually America will turn her back on Israel. In Joel chapter 3, Amos chapter 9, Zechariah chapter 14 and Matthew 24 all said that every single nation will come against Israel. That means America too. People have asked the question, well, will America ever turn her back on Israel? According to the Bible, every nation will turn their back on Israel. 
Because they will be following this leader. This, this, what we do know to be the Antichrist. Because right now, America is the poster child for democracy. If, if America didn't promote democracy around the world right now, there would be no democracy. And if America fails, then democracy fails around the world. And that's happening. It's happening right now. We're seeing it crumble right before our eyes. So that the stage is set for a savior of the world to step in with all the answers. And the Bible says that right now, lawlessness is already working. But there's something that's holding it back. But the time is going to come when that something is taken out of the way. Then lawlessness is released. But first, there must come a falling away. Folks, I don't know if you've been keeping up with Christianity in America, but there's been a great falling away in America. Widespread. He said, first there will come a great falling away, and the man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes all that is called God. Declaring that he himself is God. He will stand in the temple of God declaring that he is God. And the Bible prophesies about that in other places as well. Let's read it one more time. Verse 7 and 8 of Second Thessalonians. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then lawlessness. The lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, when, are these, when is this evil one going to be revealed? All right, this is the question that I ask. When is he going to be revealed? Is he about to be revealed? Who is he? I'm not going to give you a name, but I'm going to give you a title of what I'm beginning to see for the first time since I've been studying biblical uh, eschatology or end time teaching. We are seeing right now two major religion, religions rising to the surface. Christianity and Islam. There's been a resurgence of Islam, of Muslims, for the last half century. Because they were pretty much non-existent up till 50, 60 years ago, maybe a little longer than that. And they began to have a resurgence to the point now that they are spreading across the globe. They've been doing it with a sword. Now they're, they're wising up. Now they're learning that you can't conquer nations with a sword as good as you can with an ink pen. And so they're getting into positions of political power. And they're getting their agents in positions of political power. So that they can be united. Because just like Christianity, we, we have a Messiah. He ascended into the heavens. He said, why do you stand gazing? The same Jesus that you see go will come again in like manner as you've seen him go. We know Messiah is coming back again to establish his kingdom. There will be a millennial period, 1,000 years he will reign on earth. Then he will destroy the earth and the elements with fervent heat. And we'll see a new heaven and a new earth come down wherein dwelleth righteousness. We know all of these things. Islam has almost the identical same belief. Because Satan copycats everything God does. He always has. That's why this is so important to see this. Because to every Muslim, whether he says he's a moderate, there's no such thing as a moderate Muslim, by the way. There's no such thing. They all believe the same thing regardless of how peaceful they may seem or whatever they tell you. They are waiting for the return 
of the Mahdi. The Mahdi to the Muslim is the same thing that Christ is to the Christian church. He is their Messiah. He is believed to be the twelfth Imam. I-M-M-A-M. I-M-A-M. I think it's how you say it. Imam. Imam. It's a part of the the Caliph. The Khalidate. Caliph. Anyway. The religious leaders. Teachers. Holy men. And he's, they actually abolished that in 1924, but they, there's going to be another one. And he's going to rise to the surface. And he will be the Mahdi. Now what's important about this character is right now, just like there are different denominations in Christianity, we, we differ on all kinds of ideology and religious practices and different things. You've got Presbyterians, you've got Episcopalians, you've got Methodists, Baptists, you've got Pentecostals and there's all these denominations. But one thing we all agree on is who Jesus Christ is. That He is coming again. That He is going to take His church. He's going to save us. And some people say it's pre-trib. Some say mid. Some, all those things we disagree on. But we all agree that He is coming again for His church. By the same token with Islam, you have all these different segments and, and denominations, for lack of better terms, in Islam. Some of them hate each other. The Shiites and the Sunnis, they kill each other. They hate each other. But they all have the same belief that when the Mahdi comes, we will do whatever he says. Because they believe that it's Muhammad reincarnated. And they will worship him as Christ or as God or as their Messiah. They will declare that he is God. Right now, their whole existence is to get everyone to say there is but one God. Allah is his name and Muhammad is his prophet. That's what they live for. Can't you see this? I can't wait for this to happen. <laughs> when he appears, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Not that Allah is God, but that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't you know that's going to be hard for them to do? <laughs> Bow your knee, boy. I don't hear this Allah Akbar stuff coming out your mouth. You better be getting it straight. <laughs> Muslims are coming to Christ in the droves right now, too. And I thank God for that. You know, they're having visions of Jesus Christ appearing to them, you know. And men, that this book that I'm reading, men like that, you know, because they, they understand these things. When He said, when I read about the Antichrist, I knew exactly who it was talking about. It was the exact description of everything I've been taught all my life as a Muslim. It's the Mahdi. It's the Mahdi. Because who could rise to the surface right now and tell a Muslim to lay down his sword and he would listen to him? No one but the Mahdi. And when he rises, there will not be any longer Shiites and Sunnis. They will just be all united under his flag. Now, what's he going to do? He's going to rise in this chaotic world that we live in. And we're seeing it happen right now. Look at what's going on. And where is the violence coming from in the world today? In almost every case, it's the Muslims. And in this chaotic world, if somebody rises to the surface and they recognize him as their Messiah, the Mahdi, and he says, we're going to sign a seven-year peace treaty with Israel, they will lay down their swords. You will no longer see Palestine shooting rockets into Israel. 
every day. Lebanon will no longer be rising up. Syria will no longer be threatening. Iran will no longer be threatening. Libya, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, all of the Arab nations that surround her will make peace with her for three and a half years. But the Bible says that at the end of that three and a half year period, there will be bloodshed like the world has never seen. Why? Just think about this and see if this, this is a theory, but it just makes perfect sense to me. That during this time, the church will not be here. Because right now, the only thing that is preventing this is the church. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And when the rapture takes place, he who restrains will no longer be here to restrain. And lawlessness will be released on the earth. It will be chaotic. And one man will rise to the surface and bring peace to the entire world. And the Bible says they will say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. It will be a false peace for three and a half years. Now, if you're in America, you're not a Christian, you're not a Muslim, you're not religious at all. You're just a humanist. You just think people are good, and you die, you die, and that's it, whatever. Whew, the rapture takes place, and they're gone. The world breaks out in chaos. And this man rises to the surface. What are you going to think about that man? What's the world going to think about that man? This guy's got the answers to everything. He says he's God. He must be. Who could do the things that he does? And so the world will become Muslim. With the exception of the end time Christians. Because there will be Christians saved during the tribulation. The tribulation saints. 144,000 Jews will not follow this man. There will be tribulation saints that will not follow this man. The Buddhist, you're not going to convert China to Islam. The Hindus, you're not going to convert them to Islam. They're going to be left behind. They'll be here. You see them in Scripture. When, it, when all the nations comes against Israel, they will be from the west or from the east. That's China. It says there will be an army that no man can number. That's China. Gog and Magog will come down from the north. That's Russia. All of the Arab nations will come down in Africa and on Saudi Arabia and Sudan and all that will come in from the, from the south. All the European nations, that's our relatives and our descendants, will march in from the, from the west. From all four sides. And they will gather in the valley of Jezreel. Armageddon. And oh, it's going to get dirty then because we're going to be coming back again. Riding on white horses. And we will come with him in all of his glory and all of his power. And all we're going to be doing is sitting there saying, get them, Jesus. We ain't going to have to lift a sword. He's going to consume them with the fire of his mouth, he said. Ooh, son, if you can't lose with the stuff I use. Mm. And we see it all. See, all the pieces are coming together right now. The next thing on the prophetic calendar, folks, it's the rapture of the church. Because none of these things can happen until we're gone. He that restrains will restrain until he is taken out of the way. Then lawlessness will be released on the earth. So for some people, this is a scary thing to see what's happening around the world. But it depends on where you're standing. Are you rapture ready? If you are, this is exciting stuff. But if you're not, you better get capture ready. Because you're going to be taken captive. By all of these powers. And, so, and even if you're an end time Christian, many of you will lose your head for your faith. 
Because the bloodshed at the three and a half year period. This man will rise up and said, every person that will not confess that there is but one God and his name is Allah and prophet Muhammad is his prophet. You would cut his throat. In 1982, I worked with a guy, his name was Ulysses. He was a black dude. He, he was a Muslim. And we became good friends. And I got to joking around. I was trying to witness to him, but he was, he was a Muslim. And I said, well, man, what, what is your doctrine teaching you? I, somebody said, you're supposed to kill me because I'm a Christian. He said, he said, in the last days, a trumpet will sound. And every Muslim that is walking with a non-Muslim will turn and tell, tell them to convert to Islam. And if they don't, they will kill it. He said, I'd cut your throat right here on the spot. Like if not unless I get to my knife first, you know. <laughs> there be some cutting going on. You better be quicker than me. But they all have this belief. There was a. There was a. Are you still with me? There was a a, a, a converted Muslim preacher had gone to a conference now with a Messianic Jewish rabbi. And just a Gentile Christian pastor. And the three of them went to lunch after. Right across the street from the church. The, it was at the Christian pastor's church. The Gentile Christian pastor. And he said, Look, come on, I want you all to go to lunch with me. He said, now this restaurant is owned by a Muslim. He says, but they've never mistreated me here. And this, this Arab guy, he says, oh, really? And so he goes in because he knows, see, he understands. These are supposed to be moderate Muslims, you know. So he goes in, and when the usher comes up, it was, it was he could see by his appearance that he looked to be an Arab, you know. So he greets him with the regular Arab greeting. And instantly they built a rapport because he realized he spoke perfect Arabic language. And so he says to him, can you imagine this? I'm sitting here with a Jewish rabbi and a Christian pastor. What do you think? Should I go ahead and cut their throat now? Now, this is the guy that's never mistreated this pastor, a moderate Muslim. He said, no, you must not. For the time is not yet ripe. We must wait for the Mahdi. Because they all believe the same thing. When the Mahdi comes, we will cut their throat then. There are no moderate Muslims, church. They all believe the same thing. And when this person rises to the surface, the man of sin, he said also that there's a scripture in, in Chronicles that refers to him as the God of the, of the ages. He said, that was what we were taught. That's what the name of the Mahdi is. The same thing that the Bible refers to Satan as. He says, why, that's why it was so clear to me. It was like daylight and dark. This is of Satan. This is of God. And so, we, we, all these things that we see coming to pass, don't... The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. What, look, look, how did he put it in the passage we just read? And I want to close with this because I, I don't want you to go out of here as like, oh, my Lord, we're all going to die. Because it's not like that, okay? We're, it's not like that. Verse 2, verse 1 and 2, and I'm going to close. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Don't let this trouble you. It should excite you. You read Hebrews chapter 11 and all the saints and all they went through. And it says, but they were looking for and waiting for what you are ready to see. What they hope to see. We're getting to see it. This is exciting. Unless, 
you're not on Jesus' side. And if you're not right with God today, this is a scary thing. Because listen, just because you're in the church, and I believe just because you've made a profession of Jesus Christ, doesn't mean you're ready. Because the Bible says that there will be five foolish virgins. And I preached on that one time. It didn't say there would be five foolish harlots. They were virgins. At one time, their lamp had oil in it. At one time, their light was burning. But it says the bridegroom came. And they ran to the five wise virgins and said, give us of your oil. They said, no, we will not have enough if we give you of ours. Go and buy your own oil. And they left to go buy oil. And when they came back, the bridegroom had left and taken the bride with him. And the five foolish virgins were left behind. So for you sitting here today, if you're playing games with God, this can still be a very frightening thing for you. Folks, we're living in a day and an age where people need to get serious about their Christian faith. Because the scene is being set for all these things to come to pass. And when the trumpet sounds, and the dead in Christ rise, and those that are alive and remain are caught up in the air, the five foolish virgins will not go with that crowd, even though they were virgins at one time. So ask yourself this morning, am I rapture ready or capture ready? Stand to your feet, please. Man, that was so good, I'm going to get a copy of that myself. Mainly because I need to hear what I said. I, I hope it all came out right. But I do encourage you this morning. If you, if you, if you got a half, the Bible says that the, the New Testament, the last day's church, would be the church of Laodicea. It says they were neither hot nor cold. Because they were lukewarm, he said, I will spew them out of my mouth. Because they will say that I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing, but they know not that they're wretched and blind and naked. They don't even know the condition of their heart. I don't want to be that church.